Hello and welcome to AFR Voice and our very final World Cup special today. We'll be wafting audio air all over the dying embers of the Brazil World Cup by reliving the tense, tactile and tumultuous final and telling tales of our favourite memories from this wondrous tournament and visiting an exhibition showcasing every World Cup Panini sticker. True story. Hello, Alex. Hello. The World Cup is over. Is there much point going on in this cruel world? I'm not. I'm not sure at the moment. I'm, I'm really just in a real period of self-reflection. Seriously, are you okay? I, this morning, I watched. I generally watched sort of the BBC end of end of tournament montage just over over my, my cereal, and I, I got a bit emotional. I started to start to well up a little bit. It was a beautiful thing. Hello, Paddy. Hi. That's a quick, Hi. swift moving on for Alex there. I'm not very good at dealing with emotions. <laughs> I think we're, I'll, I'll we're all feeling nerve. a bit fraught, aren't we? We don't want to get too highly strung. No, not really. But it, it is hard to remember time when this World Cup wasn't happening. I, I don't. I, I don't know what to do. It's it, why is there not football on right now? Why have I not already watched a match and I'm just tucking into my second match and potentially going to watch a third match at eleven o'clock? I just shudder. The thought of the Premier League, I just shudder at. Which uh, makes me sick. Yeah, how club, dare they? Club football. Just, the thought of it disgusts me at the moment. Show some respect. Well, what with it being a World Cup special and post the final, we should probably mention Germany won, Argentina nil. We have new champions, a new fresh crown for their pretty little young heads. Congratulations to the Germans. Paddy, Alex, you both... I was just listening back to it. You just slightly went for the Argentines. No, he didn't. You did? No. I'm pretty sure yeah. I said Germany. Yeah, I said Germany 1-0. No, did you? Yeah. No, I, I said 2-1 Germany. No, mate. Listen back. <laughs> Listen back. And your, your justification for going for Argentina was, I don't know. This isn't the end of the Spanish era. Alex, you were you thought it would be poetic in South America. Um, it'd be nice for Messi. Finally, he'll join the pantheon of all time. Yeah, no, I did think that, didn't I? Yeah. yeah, and I got that wrong. Well, Germany. Suitable winners? Did they deserve it? Uh, yes, I think they did in terms of... Maybe during the game, you'd say that Argentina <clears throat> maybe had the better of the chances. I know a lot of people have been talking about that. But in terms of like, Germany's tournament, they've had a... A proper World Cup, you know. They've, if you look at the teams they've played, they've beaten Portugal, they played Ghana, USA, uh, Algeria, who won the real surprise packages of the tournament, and then France, Brazil, Argentina. I mean, that's a pretty stellar lineup of teams that they beat, and especially when you think that I think was it in, in t- games against Portugal and Brazil, they won eleven-one on aggregate. Whoa, nice. It's, well, yeah, not, Ghana, it's not bad. Uh, Algeria and of course Ghana being the only teams that didn't beat that they didn't beat. Yeah, uh, but they they were you know <clears throat> sort of they they played really well themselves, and in a way that kind of sums up the tournament that the less fancy teams still put in you know fantastic performances. But I think overall they played some great football. That semi final against Brazil was one of the most ridiculous games I've ever seen, and I'd say yeah, worthy chance. So sometimes in a World Cup, teams can get a bit of rubber the green and get to the final without playing 
a team that maybe is a huge, huge match for them. But I think Germany really sort of proved themselves time and time again. I'd go further and say they've probably deserved it over the, the four-year World Cup cycle as well. Ooh. You think, you know, they showed promises of this in South Africa um, before eventually falling out uh, very late on to Takayos Poyle's header. It was no disgrace there. And then coming so close in the Euros and they finally just got it right. But the way their players have dominated the Champions League and European football over the last four years, you have to say it's, it's everything coming to a head at exactly the right time. Yeah, and I think uh, there was an interview with um, with the manager Lowe afterwards saying um, that this was a ten year project. You know, that they went, they crashed out of Euro two thousand and four at the group stage without winning a game. And I think that was partly them going right. Let's sort this out. And yeah. you can look at this generation. You know, that's ten years ago. So I think Gertz would have been twelve. A lot of these guys would have been fourteen, fifteen, and well, the even, way they even further back as well. Back in Euro two thousand, when Germany and England fell out of that group. Yeah, and. Uh, Germany somehow scraped to the final again in Japan and Korea, which, to all intents and purposes, was a bit of a a, a blip almost. But yeah, again that disastrous campaign in two thousand and four as well. They went out in the groups and yeah, entirely re. I saw a, a fella tweet last night. I think he must have been Northern Irish or you know played age group international football for either Ireland or Northern Ireland. And tweet said, "Oh, I played against Goethe a few years ago." Uh, I'm currently sitting on the sofa eating a pack of pickled onion monster munch. <laughs> well, I don't know. They're both glorious in their own way, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, go Which says a lot make... for uh, British football compared to German football. And crisps. And great crisps. Yeah, just to make us all feel a little bit old, Goetzer is... He's just, just turned 22. Yeah, born after the reunification of Germany. So, and, uh... yeah, a couple of World Cups left in him. And did you see also after the game, he was just uh, on Instagram just posing with Rihanna? Uh, just Don't at the after match part, as you do. So he's had a good night. As was friend of AFR, Jimmy Conrad, actually. So <laughs> Really? Yeah. How did he get in there? Oh, he's been there all, he's been there all the time. Doing some great work know, for no, Kick. And... Was he in the picture with Rihanna? Yeah, posing on a red carpet. Well done, Jim. Sweet. That was our invite. Come on, Jimmy. Good job. Hook it up. <laughs> Look, Photoshop can do wonderful <laughs> things. Um, obviously, we're gonna we're gonna drool over Germany's players, but what about Lowe? Do you think he's getting enough credit, or is he just incredibly fortuitous to have such a wonderful abundance of brilliant young players? Before we get too deep, I'm gonna give him credit for wearing a dark shirt in Rio during an incredibly stressful football match and look cool. Not a bead of sweat in those armpits. Dark shirt, World Cup final. You're asking for what, trouble. What the urgency using? Yeah. Um, no, 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 you really do have to, don't you? Part was of that, that just sort of sweat glands, which are, I don't know. It's like just... Federer. Like Federer doesn't sweat. Yeah, like the most composed uh, sports personalities just don't sweat. Or was that because he had a phenomenal belief in his side? Probably the latter. Well, I, I saw a quote from him but before the game saying something about um, if Germany were to lose, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But I very much doubt that would happen. <laughs> you just, ah. just I, I doubt we'll lose and I think I think it was you know obviously he, he was right and you look at the the way that they've done it this whole revolution really sort of started with Klinsmann when he took over in 2004 and started changing the way they were playing and <clears throat> Lerv was the um was his assistant obviously took the job in 2006 and he's had he's had the stability I mean he had that that sort of apprenticeship under Klinsmann and then he's just had that stability of what is it eight well, what's 2006 yeah eight years ago to 
to just build, build the team. They've had a great run of semi-finals. I think I was worked out in those in these last few semi-finals, they've always gone on when the World Cup at least, they've always lost to the eventual winner. Came out sort of going back to 2002, obviously they lost in the final. 2006 they lost to Italy that won it. 2010 Spain. So they've always been nearly there. They've only and they've only lost out to the team that's actually won it. And then it's just and also then pick themselves up and come third when they've needed to as well. Yeah, exactly. And just I think it's just that group of players and he does. I don't know a huge amount to say about him. He doesn't seem like to be like a huge, like a big character, like a Van Gaal or something. But he just has the the respect of the players. Tactically, seems to be very aware, and and they've just got a, a great system. And I think a lot of them and a lot of the players have been talking about about the team, like Philip Lahm saying, maybe we don't have that individual player, that Messi or that Ronaldo, but they've got the best team in the tournament by far. Yeah, I know German sides do tend to have a little bit of a reputation of of arrogance, but there did seem to be a lot of. Humil- humility, generally speaking, it did seem to be a wonderful team ethic, an incredible focus. I think I might have said it in the last show, but Oliver Beer- Beerhoff remarked about this team that he's never seen a side celebrate so little after scoring a goal, <laughs> or indeed getting through to like the quarterfinals, semi-finals, because it's all been just small incremental steps, small jigsaw pieces for something that's so much bigger. Well, I think it was an interview with I think perhaps Muller um, saying, you know. It is kind of it's blown away the the perhaps stereotype of German footballers from the the mid eighties and the ninety ninety winning team that you know this generation have been brought up to respect their opposition and not kind of humiliate people or not ground people down. You know the the obvious highlight of that is being the apparent discussion that happened at half time against Brazil. Um, perhaps that was more with one eye on the World Cup final, obviously. But you know they are very humble people. None of those players are quite as tattooed or brash as the <laughs> players at this World Cup. You know, you think people like Muller and Azil, uh, you know, pretty much the size of this team, are very homely, very grounded, you know, and that can only come from a fantastic coaching approach and, you know, general life approach that is given them by clubs from a very young age. Perhaps most amiable of all, maybe throughout the tournament, certainly the final, was Bastian Schweinsteiger. That boy <laughs> put in a shift. Talk about putting your body on the line. He took a few knocks, didn't he? he? took a few. He dished them out. He took a few. There's only one way to win a World Cup, and that's with blood smearing down your face. Yeah, it was sort of fitting that he was down just nursing another injury when the final whistle went. And then did, did they pile on top of him, or was it Scherler they piled on top of? I, I think was it was a huge pile-up. <laughs> it was about eight people deep. I, I did feel bad for the person <laughs> at the bottom. But yeah, that's not what you want if you've if you've just been smacked smacked down. But yeah, he was really in the wars. But he was brilliant. I mean, it was it was in terms of the game itself. It was obviously a huge blow losing Kadira in the warm up, and then was it Kramer came in, who I think he'd only just made the the thirty man squad before the tournament, and then he didn't last too long because he got a real big hit. But but they adjusted. They surely came on. They worked out their system. They didn't really lose their composure. And although Argentina did have a few chances, you know, they they still didn't have, a, didn't have a shot on target. Yeah, that's kind of, kind of ties into everything we're saying. You know, you've got such strength and de- depth on the bench that you're bringing on. You know, one for me, one of the players of the tournament. I know he's only been a sub, but was he bagged three goals, a couple of crucial assists, including the winning goal? He's looked wonderful when he's come on. Like out of all of the Chelsea players who've played at this World Cup, he's been head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah, he, he's been brilliant. And he's done it quite a lot as well at Chelsea, sort of just coming on as a sub and just be, making that impact, exploiting the space. Very good in front of the goal, but also technical. And as you say, he can play a great pass. Um, and obviously assisted the um, 
assisted the winner. But also you're talking about top quality German substitutes. I mean, Mario Goetze comes on. He's what signed for Bayern Munich for thirty-two million pounds last summer. We've also got Julian Draxler on the bench, who I think was unused, and he's been linked with Arsenal for big wadges of money. Marco Royce and Ilkay Gundogan missed the tournament because they were injured, and they're both incredibly good and incredibly young as well. So there's a huge amount of depth, and it's just this whole generation of players, and they're all just excellently technical players. Well, do we have a new dynasty then in the mould of, of Spain where you're dominating for upwards of three tournaments? Do you think that's quite conceivable? Uh, it's always hard to say at this stage. It's, you know, 24 hours ago since they won the World Cup. But sort of the way they did it and, and the depth they've got and also just that mentality and that for a lot of these players now, they've won it and they'll, and they'll use that experience. It was sort of the same with that Spain team. I know it was different because it was their first ever major tournament win. But... They've got that confidence, that know-how, and that'll get, I think, transferred to the to the younger players coming through as well, or the players that weren't involved in this in this tournament. So although it is difficult to say, it's definitely things aren't looking bad for him. Well, we should mention that there was another team involved in this tournament. To what degree did Argentina lose this final? We know Germany won it, but was it more a case of Argentina losing it? I mean they they could have won it, couldn't they? Higuain just you've got to hit the target at least i mean that no could... shots on target in that game yeah but 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 there but there should have been you look at higuain you look at messi you look at that palacio chance as well they they had their chances and obviously you never know if they if they had scored that early goal it would have changed the dynamic of the game but it wasn't as comprehensive as maybe germany would have liked and they, and they did ride their luck and i think argentina were definitely uh, you know think that they did let a, a few go begging and as for Lionel Messi, we kind of have to have to mention mention this chap. Uh, he played the tournament, Lionel Messi. Yeah, he won't play the tournament. Um, a little bit of surprise across um, most punditry social media circles. Even Big Set Blatter, and we can always trust his opinion, was a little bit shocked. Have you got any any opinion on that, or is that just some sort of backlash because Messi hasn't scored three every game? I don't know. You forget what he did in the group stages. Is that does that, but isn't it more important what you do in the knockout phase? Like Mascarano's been much more of a, a crucial player in the last two games. Mm, but, you know, and then there's perhaps the argument to give it to someone like Rodriguez then, for the impact that he had over both group and knockout stages to some extent. Maybe it's just because Messi was in the stadium and they just had to give it to someone. They'd rather just get it sorted then. Rather give it than to sort of give them both the Neuer then. Poster, yeah. Posters and packaging because that looked really heavy. Yeah, and then you've got to get someone to sign for it at the other end. You don't you know what's going to happen. Send it to Bogotá or you know somewhere else. Maybe send yeah. it over to over to, to Munich to give it to Robin or something. It's it's just just get it done. Just give it. The Messi's good. Just give it to him. <laughs> and it was uh, it was sponsored by Adidas as well, which is probably not ideal, given the fact that Messi is their ultimate ambassador. But there you go. A little bit of a cynical edge, but I did mention him there, Mascherano. I've never been a, a, a huge fan of his, but he's been stunning this tournament. I believe he's played every tournament. He's left everything out on the pitch, to use that cliche. Um, some great memories of him, in particular, that last-ditch tackle um, to stop Robben scoring the winning goal in the semi-final. He's torn his anus, lads, <laughs> um, for the side. Like, What more do you want from uh, this player? I know there's a bit of a comic edge to that, but that's quite a strong illustration. By all accounts, all accounts of what he's pretty much been coaching the team, or certainly been giving most of the team talks. I saw him, what, start of extra, extra time, time giving a big one. 
and that's not been uncommon from what I've read and seen in a few different places. You know, half time, uh, perhaps uh, start of extra time as well against uh, Holland, um, doing the same. Pretty much coach of that side. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah, he was. He was everywhere. Though. He was everywhere. You just, you just hope amidst all the, the misery of losing a World Cup final that people aren't going to forget what a stunning, <laughs> stunning tournament he had. Also, yeah. that he's a stunning midfielder. And perhaps he might be, you know, Barca have had a bit of a clear out. He's probably better suited in that role than, than being stuck at centre-half for the last couple of years like he has been. Pretty good advert, yeah, to mix that up. Also also going back to the coaching, you talked about sort of Mascherano leading it there. Uh, Paddy sent me an, ex, an excellent photo during the final. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to claim to originate this, but there was a, a striking lookalike uh, between Alejandro Sabea, the Argentine coach, and uh, future Biff from Back to the Future. <laughs> it's uncanny. <laughs> it's absolutely uncanny. Lo looks like the dad of uh, is it Seth in the OC? If you watch. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. It still wouldn't surprise me if Sabella is actually just Maradona in prosthetics. <laughs> I'd love that to be true. It'd be one final twist in what has been quite a quite a wacky World Cup but yeah no not to belittle Argentina they certainly um, put themselves about in the final it was a yeah it was a physical game obviously the freak occurrence of head injuries which is a, very odd to see but I think it's played in the right spirit certainly there was no no niggliness it did get a bit heated at times but I don't think there's any real real ugliness was there the old the old uh, uh, the old Neuer knee to the head on Higuain that was an interesting one Ooh, and yeah, is that on the ball <laughs> my, uh, my flatmate is a uh, is not from a football nation, I'll say, um, and was very much entertained by noise antics, and was questioning whether it was actually in the rule book at times how how he could just steam out of his goal. It's a terrifying sight, isn't it? If he was I, running at you, just let him have it. Well, I think for, the, for uh, the Palacios chance, it, it certainly yeah. did enough to put him off. Yeah, yeah. You think obviously the three three big chances, but they're probably all of those. Those attackers, as they're bearing down on goal, they're thinking there is an enormous object to get past. Someone who's absolutely buzzing on confidence, deservedly wins the Golden Glove. I don't know if you can wear that or not. Is that hollow or is that solid, that award? He's got to get the chocolate out first. Okay. But yeah, no, he's unbelievable. I just, I, It's just such an... It's like an insult to him, isn't it? Just to walk into that the penalty area with the ball. Just get out, get out. Apparently he he can play other positions in training as well. He can play outfield. He's just and he's a a real just. He wants to just win everything. I mean, it's just a ter- just a terrifying, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's taken penalties in the past, I think, as well. And just to have him behind, I think that's partly why they can play such a height line because they're like, yeah, he'll clear it up. And I know I think we tweeted it before um, Noya's heat map during the Algeria game. It was pretty much the one third of the pitch he had covered. Because he, he just he just he can just make that call so early. He's, t- he's two footed as well. <laughs> he's he's got it all. It's fantastic, absolutely brilliant. As were the German team. We're all doffing our caps to them with for a, such a fantastic campaign. And ultimately, I think we can all agree, deserved winners. After this little sting, we're going to chat about the World Cup as a whole. Some highs, some lows, and ultimately, ultimately, some blissful memories. <laughs> Chaps, World Cup reflections. Let's just 
let's just I know we're not all in the same room, but let's just imagine it's night time. We're all just sat around a little campfire. Maybe we're we're burning the brazooka, not in an offensive way, but just as a bit of a spiritual ceremony. And as those flames flicker, Alex, and you have your one last bite of Brazilian tasty, tasty marshmallows. What wonderful things do you see in those flames? What mon- wonderful memories do you have? So so many. I, just, I don't know where to start. I mean, who? Can, I mean, everyone's saying it's the best World Cup ever. I think we can all agree that we can't judge that. <laughs> we've yeah. missed we've missed one or two, but what made it so good? What seemingly made it stand out from the last couple of World Cups, at the very least? Um, I think was well, the direct comparison with South Africa is just everyone just went for it. Everyone just thought we're at a World Cup in Brazil. We can't really sit back and soak up the pressure. So I really enjoyed just the the goals, especially the group stage, which sometimes can take a bit of, a little while to get going. From the off, even was it the second day of the World Cup when it was that that Spain Netherlands game, that Van Persie header that seemed to just light a spark and then it all just exploded. <sighs> Went yeah, a bit goal, mad. Goal of the tournament for me still because that's still I, I judge goals by how much they get me out of the seat um so that got me out of the seat and also as you may have may remember there was a fight going on in the pub at the time but not once <laughs> i turned my head around because i just had to watch all of the replays oh yeah oh, for me that's goal of the as well because it, it is it's an instant classic isn't it although i think james rodriguez did a good job of maybe surpassing it that was know, yeah, gorgeous was, as well oh yeah it's sen- sensational but a little bit more classic whereas and person, I just feel like well, it's going to be a hard push to ever see anything quite like that again. Yeah, I, yeah, the context of it as well, you know, the repeat of the final, it being so early in the tournament, it's just, I think in, in 15 years' time, if you ask, you know, if you think World Cup 2014, I think that would be very, very high up the list of your memories. That's true. And that, that was one that sort of, I think, I think kicked, kicked it off for me. Other, well, other, other memories, I enjoyed the uh, sort of the quiet serenity of the uh, of the late kickoffs. Just sitting down with a cup of tea and just 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 tucking into a nice late one in the early hours, watching um was it Brooks scoring that that late late winner for the USA oh. and just not knowing what to do with himself. Oh, that's my still my favourite celebration. But, yeah, scores the goal and then sort of looks at his hands and then his forearms. And then really, and, and then, then I can't be here. I can't be here. This this can't be me. This can't be happening. I'm going to drop to the floor and wake up in my bed, eating eating Monster Munch. Yeah, but he just sort of lies there, and usually there's a pile up. But you can see all the other players are like, "All right, mate, you, well, well done, everybody, really okay here." No, and also another. Uh, I know we've had some great games uh, involving the, the USA in terms of when we went to uh, the Old King's Head and watched a few a uh, few games with the Outlaws, which was fantastic. And well, I think another one of my overriding memories was the journey home from one of those games. I was watching it on my on my phone, and I I just had a nightmare journey home. I kept missing stops because I was just too engrossed in the game. And I was and I saw that that Jones goal on on the bus home. And I was sort of just squealing to myself. <laughs> it's three nine one go down Chiswick High Road. I saw that again last night. It's, it's better than I remember it being. Outside yeah. outside and in. Yeah. Shaped. Top, top 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 goal that one. Top five. You got to say. Also, when it comes to the US, um, we'll have to crowbar a little bit of social media in. Hashtag things Tim Howard could save. Yeah. Some unbelievable pieces of Photoshop, including Tim Howard catching the meteorite and thereby saving dinosaurs from extinction. (laughs) A boy can do anything. Did you see his his tweet reaction to it? No. (laughs) He just said, uh, 
I must admit, some of these are quite funny, but you guys have got way too much time on your hands. Didn't someone, no. didn't someone change um, a Wikipedia page that his job was Secretary of Defence? That's correct, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think the official Secretary of Defence tweeted, like, from one Secretary of Defence to another, well done, Tim Howard. Something like that. That was enjoyable. It, it's, it's, nice. it's sort of now, I think, obviously, with sort of the age of social media, just how these things do just take off from game to game. I only, I only saw today a picture of um, an Aryan Robin uh, diving piñata in Mexico. <laughs> so started making just the creativity of some people. It's, it's just been... Uh, just and, and the gifts of the Mexico manager just rolling around. That was another top moment when Mexico um, was it beat Croatia to get out of the group stage, and he just lost it. Was it Miguel Herrera? Mm. Well, I found out today is the lowest paid uh, lowest paid manager at the tournament. Oh, really? Well, yeah. we saw we saw his face when he was twenty in his twenties, uh, didn't we? The other yeah, day, USA ninety four mullet. Yeah. Little little tease for later. We had a a visit to um, an exhibition showing all of the World Cup Panini stickers. He looks sensational. <laughs> very wide, very wide man. Um, one thing I want to ask you about, the referee spray. Are we thumbs up for that? Do we want to see that across the board in the Premier League, Bundesliga? In my life. Are we happy with it? Yes. I want to see people Paddy? being kind of marked at traffic lights with it so you don't jump traffic <laughs> lights. There, there are lots of applications we no one's thought of yet for it. Yeah, I think that was one of the biggest successes. In broader brushstrokes, um, was it quite possibly the the uh, the year of the underdog? I know it didn't quite. We didn't really turn up with anyone particularly special uh, in the quarterfinals, but we did see some unbelievable campaigns um, from the likes of uh, Costa Rica, um, the US that we mentioned there, um, Colombia as well were a little bit special, Algeria. Algeria especially, but yeah, I mean, I know it's been done to death, but Costa Rica, who would have had them top of the group when you're playing against Uruguay, England and Italy? I think from like a, an entirely selfish point of view, that's what you want, isn't it? A few little shocks, but then the semis are Brazil, Germany, Argentina and Holland. Yeah. That, that's the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think we've had our cake and eaten it. Yeah, when we win the quarterfinals, we're all the group winners for the first time ever. I enjoyed that. Hmm. Um, should oh. we do a little little standout players or favourite players or or new stars? Yeah, go for it. Kick us off. For me, I think obviously he's been doing fantastic well the last few years, but uh, Andre Yedlin, uh, that marauding right back for the states, uh, he looks very very composed and accomplished and by all uh, accounts, will be finding himself in Europe uh, not too long. Yeah, a lot, of, I know a lot of people are saying that that was a real sort of defining 90 minutes for him, or 120 minutes for him, in that he was kind of, you know, wasn't really on the radar of scouts, and now there are a lot of, lot of uh, teams in Europe that are interested. I'm sure that, obviously, Hamas Rodriguez, I know it's, he did go to Monaco for 38 million quid last season, so he's not exactly a surprise package, but he's just been... Brilliant. And loads of those Colombian players have been fantastic. Cuadrado as well. I know he's also had a great season in Serie A, but I hadn't seen much of him. And just the way he dribbles and his speed has been has been brilliant as well. Um, Ron Vlar as well, actually. I wasn't expecting that from him. Yeah, I was going to go for Big Ron. He were, he, I think I heard this on uh, Guardian Football Weekly, but yeah, he had a 100% tackle rate in that match against Argentina. Just and a 90, 96% pass completion rate as well. That's what you want. I think you want every header as well. 
ever. Yeah. A few kind of young and up and coming from that Dutch squad, which was kind of kind of half and half almost, wasn't it? There was no middle ground there. The likes of Daily Blind and uh, Depay coming through as well, and Sillerson as well. Yeah, a lot of players that if you don't watch the Eredivisie, which I, which I can't say I, I watched a great deal of, you'd never have heard of, but a lot of them were, were brilliant, especially that, sort of that back four with Bruno, Martins, Indy and those kind of guys. It's rock solid. Mm. Roncrete. Fond memories. 171 goals. Put yeah. that in your pat lunch. Equal France 98 for the record. Or didn't quite edge it. Edge. Well, we haven't really spoken about that goal, like the actual World Cup winning goal yet either. There was a goal in the final... That sort of just summed it all up, didn't it? Just yeah, just that that goal was was befitting of a World Cup of the standards. Just just that chest, and I don't know how he got it across goal like that, but just oh, mm. delicious. Away from the pitch, uh, how do we think? And specifically away from the pitch, how do we think Brazil had performed? Oh, as 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 hosts, as hosts, of course. We shouldn't probably dwell too long on. What happened last Tuesday night? Yeah, but that was an, another moment. I know before we go into the off the pitch, just that was. It's been a long time of watching a football match and not really understood what's happening. <laughs> when those sort of those four goals went in six, which I couldn't quite comprehend it. But off the pitch, I mean, obviously we can only you know speak from watching it on on TV and from afar. But <clears throat> I know there were a lot of worries about protesting and that kind of thing, and I'm sure there was some of it during the tournament. But from everything I saw, it looked absolutely fantastic. Stadiums were full. A lot of Brazilians at every game, but adding to the atmosphere, and it just looks amazing. Yeah, I, yeah throwing a penny totally. into the Grand Canyon a bit. I think it was oh. offensively, offensively commercial, and almost stage managed. It looked like a TV show at times, perhaps with some of the the more attractive female members of the crowd. <laughs> yep, it did. It did get annoying. It was just. It like, was really annoying. Yeah, because it's 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 not that. The only... it's not, America's Go Got Talent, it's the World Cup final. I want to watch yeah. the pitch. It seemed like the only, not to get too high-minded about it, but the only role that women seemed to play in the World Cup was if they were incredibly attractive, and that was it. So mm. not the ideal message you want to convey when you've got a couple of billion people watching, and obviously the women's game needs to be encouraged to grow all the time. So, yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, it's amusing at first, but, yeah, in terms of being tiresome, it was, it was well up there. Every time the ball went dead. Yeah. The the directors need a a good clipping around the ear, really. But clearly, they're they're being told that and encouraged to do that, which is which is a joke, really. Um, but at the same time, not entirely surprising when they're part of the fabric of FIFA. Um, but yeah, for me, I'd I'd echo a lot of uh, the words um, that Alex said there. Party atmosphere um, throughout, outside the stadiums, in the fan zones, and I think what probably the biggest compliment you can say to them is that it seemed to rub off on the teams they all seemed like i want to be involved in this this huge celebration the greatest show on earth i don't want to park the bus i want entertainment just as much as every fan that is watching around the world and that was that was reflected statistically as well i think it's the most comebacks ever at a world cup certainly the most goals ever scored from the substitutes bench um so yeah i think the i think both inside and out of the stadium um the joy of the game the spiritual home which always sounds a little bit like a cliche, but for a long time, at least those first few weeks, it really did feel like the home of football was alive. Yeah, and, I, and also, also, Paddy, what are you saying? No, after you. I would say also, you touched on it there, sort of the home of football. It's the first time in a long, 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 long time that there's been 
a tournament on that continent and they really absolutely embraced it. I mean, there was talk of 100,000 Argentinians in Rio for the final, whether they could get a ticket or not. I mean, there was a period at the start of the uh, tournament where 30,000 Chileans piled over the border in a two-day period. So everyone in South America really embraced it. And it seemed like by hook or by crook, if anyone could get there, they'd get there, which I think, again, really added to it. And it's something that a lot of people on that continent you haven't had a chance to do because it's always been it's been in Europe or America or over in Asia so they've really really sort of taken it with with both hands which which was fantastic yeah I think if, if you ask the average Brazilian on the street which I certainly can't comment on and neither any of us can I, I think there are still concerns you look at the makeup of, yeah. of the crowds in the ground and and that certainly doesn't reflect the average Brazilian population I'm sure um, a, a friend of mine went to the final and said he managed to get tickets for for two hundred pounds per ticket, which was under face value. Um, he was working out there broadcasting, which is just just baffling. Um, no, I think that's one thing South Africa did a hell of a lot better. Mm-hmm. So they they're obviously well known for being that ra- rainbow nation, um, made up of so many different ethnicities, colours, cultures, and I do think that generally speaking that was reflected well. Uh, and the crowds in South Africa, but yeah, um, it didn't really feel like the whole spectrum of uh, Brazilian society um, were in those stadiums. And yeah, we absolutely can't deny it could have been the best World Cup on earth. It could have been ten goals, but every again, single that's game. What, but there's still going to be we, um, some. That's just from TV, of course. You have to think it's, it's impeccably, uh, from their perspective, or very precisely stage managed and and floor managed by the camera crews. You know, you barely saw anything outside of the first three rows of fans for the yeah, most expensive true. seats you know you didn't see into the crowd at all really also mentioning the stadiums i don't know if it's just me but could you tell the difference between any of them they all looked kind of exactly the same i don't think that was a bad thing mm. but none of them seemed to have too much well there was that one that had the sort of the big white pillars on each corner yeah Kuchiba, Paolo, I think. but they were all big oh, um, yeah. temporary seats as well yeah, it was, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. The, the stadium is absolutely, absolutely brilliant, but it was a little bit identical. I know that's, we're getting really nitpicky here, but they look fantastic. And hopefully, <laughs> it's always the case that you hope that they're not, you know, that they are used afterwards. I think they will be because there's obviously a big, big following in, in Brazil. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. But I, I, was, Ameri- yeah, I was thinking American that was last night. The American Ice with this cavernous, quite shallow bowl, didn't it? And it could have been Sunderland from what we saw on telly last night or, you know, any new build. Yeah. They have changed things a bit, but I don't know, that was a bit of a weird, but by, by, I thought the stadiums did look fantastic. And also, more importantly, they were full. I know there's, you know, maybe there's some debate as to as to who they were they were filled with, but it made just for a, a, it seemed like it was a brilliant atmosphere at every game. Yeah, it was ultimately um, a tournament full of unbelievable entertainment. Say thank you, Alex. Say thank- thanks to Brazil. Thank you so much, Brazil. Thank you, football. I'll miss you. Now, we are all signed up and certified enormous fans of football stickers. And sometimes it's just not enough to spend all of your savings on stickers and staying in on Friday nights to post them in. Sometimes you've got to go that extra mile. And that's what we did on Saturday on the eve of the World Cup. We had a nice cold beer on a nice, nice hot day and went to somewhere a little bit special, the home of football stickers for this summer. Ah, what a lovely ambient setting that is. Just a little boat just 
humming away alongside a very salubrious canal in East London. Joining me are Paddy. Hello. And Alex. Hi. Well, we've had a lovely little time, haven't we? Um, we've just made a visit to the Proud Archivist Gallery in Haggerston, London. It's a bit of a temporary, temporary cathedral for all football sticker fans. The gallery is hosting every single Panini World Cup football sticker made since the 1970 World Cup. They're all together for the first time. It's kind of sweet, really, isn't it? Just, just nice to know. That's over 4,000 charismatic, colourful and occasionally curious portraits. Before we get into our thoughts and maybe our review of the exhibition, let's talk about stickers and you, Alex. What's your relationship? In general, or this World Cup? This World Cup, and then maybe when you started, was it ever an addiction for you? Uh, my, my peak was probably uh, Premier League collection 96-97, but this is strictly World Cup, and I feel like I've, I've had a real resurgence this World Cup. I think my, uh, my excitement for the, for the tournament was really built up by uh, really binging on stickers, uh, including getting one pack. I think I, I generally tweet any of my, uh, from our account, any of my sort of sticker conquests, including three shinies in one pack, which was huge. Uh, getting uh, Messi, Benzema and Van Persie all in one go was also a, a great, great moment. And uh, a strange one, actually. It was after um, the Italy-Uruguay and uh, Ivory Coast-Greece uh, games. Uh, some, uh, certain players involved in that in a big way. I'd forgotten I'd bought, I'd bought some stickers that day. And then that night I opened them and I got Giorgio Chiellini, who'd just been bitten, and Bubakar Barry, who'd just eaten grass and not saved the penalty that eliminated the Ivory Coast. It was like... It was like I was meant to buy those stickers that day, and when I opened that packet, it all just it all just slotted together. I had I had something similar. It was just a few days before the England Italy game. I got both Perlo and Rooney, and so Perlo was on top of Rooney. It kind of seemed quite me a metaphor for the day. You know, two potentially world class players, but one was on top throughout. Interesting and poignant. Paddy, what's your relationship with football stickers? I know you're collecting this year, but. Have you got a history of collecting them in the past? Yeah, I've been on and off this year, kind of coming and going. I often forget. I mean, a lot of places I find haven't actually got them, which is a real letdown. Walking into a shop and then to be told they, they don't do them. Um, just the, the cold stare that you must give them. Just, just a bit in in your stomach. I wasn't, you know, I'm not even going to buy some gum to pretend I'm there for anything else. <laughs> I'm just, I'm there for stickers. Uh, yeah, I think like Alex, the, the glory days, the, the mid-90s Premier League. I think an abortive attempt four years ago at South Africa, but I got a lot of Algeria swaps that time, and I, you know, soured the taste a little bit. It seems it seems really big in pop culture this year, certainly in this country, but seemingly all the way all the way across the world. Is yeah. There any, any reason you can think why stickers are so popular for this campaign in particular? I think whoever's doing PR at Panini has done a fantastic job over the last couple of months. Um, they've kind of been there or thereabouts, but you know, as we've seen today. It's always been there. It's always been a part of World Cup fever, World Cup history. Um, and long may it continue, I say. Well, yeah, we've headed back to 1970, uh, all of the World Cups ever since. Unfortunately, we weren't quite able to see anything from 1990 onwards. Uh, a Hindu got in our way. It's a long story. But it does mean that we were able to really invest all of our time in vintage football stickers. Uh, Alex, was there any sort of patterns or trends um, that you noticed across those decades? Uh, generally, generally, the Scot Scotland squad throughout was exceptional, both hair-wise and, and facial hair-wise, and also some of the South American teams. I know, I know Paddy and I really enjoyed Colombia 1990. Uh, Val a young Valderrama, uh, Higuita in goal. It was just, just a magical combination. And also, the um, I think, was it in 1970 or was it 74, where each country had a little cartoon mascot 
which was oh. just kind of a sum up everything of the country. So you know, if, if it was Holland, they were wearing clogs. If it was, yeah. um, who else, what else was there? I think there, there were Scottish bagpipes. Lots of stereotypes. Yeah, much. Zaire possibly evolved uh, a lion and yeah. a, a pointed spike, which we won't dwell on. But I, th- I think it shows that Panini have got their act together over the years and, and maybe boiled down the true essences. One thing I liked, which is, doesn't exist anymore, was the um, kind of stars that aren't going to be at the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, certainly in the 70s, there's kind of like a few stickers from big countries that hadn't made it. Four stickers, yeah. Excluded team sections. Good marketing, probably. Yeah, this year, obviously, it would just be an A4's last-hand sticker, which is the... <laughs> A4's... Oh, God, how nerve-wracking would that be putting that oh, off? Peeling That'd that... That'd be right, Peeling that off the, the tension. Um... But yeah, I think the main points of interest, as Alex said, have been uh, the evolution of facial hair in South America in that 20-year period between 1970 and 1990. Yeah, we'll try and tweet, tweet this one in particular, but this is my favourite. He's called Leonardo Coella from Mexico, uh, 1978. Did you, did you clock him? He kind of had like an Afro hair and an Afro beard. So sort of only 10% of his face peeking through. I was also a good year for Italy. Uh, 30% of uh, the players... Uh, in that section, had moustaches, strong, firm moustaches. So it's been both a study of football and football stickers, but very much an anthropological study as well and just sort of the evolution of the human being. Uh, Yeah, I feel like I'm more aware of the human condition after today. (laughs) Again, specifically between 1970 and 1990 in South and Central America, but that still counts. Yeah, the, the origin of the mullet now. I feel like I've really seen it progress until Chris Waddle really just just grabbed it by the horns in, in 1990 and, and ran with it. I do think this bit, there's a slight bit of disregard, I think, peeking in in 1990. I don't know if you saw this, but for the more sort of minnow teams, instead of getting one sticker with one player on, you get one sticker with two players on and it would be spread over one page instead of two pages. <laughs> so there's a slight lack of equality there from Panini. I think they've... They've sorted themselves out since. Do you think that's not in their interest? Do you think they want as many stickers to collect as possible? So you keep buying... So, I said their marketing department's had a, had a mare there. Or, or a vast turnaround in the last 35 years. This is true, because now we've got... Well, isn't it? You need two halves for a stadium. We've got, you know, squads, sh- shiny... I didn't see any shiny. When did the shiny come in? Oh, that's yeah. what I'd like to know. That's a massive... That's a brilliant observation. I've only just thought of that now. Yeah, I mean... Hindus just kind of stopped us there. <laughs> we, we might Making be able to find the ourselves. <laughs> we might be able to find the answer for that another time. But there's been some good stories about stickers this year. I don't know if you've read them here or there. But first of all, there was a raid in Rio on a sticker van. Yeah, 300,000 stickers got stolen. Um, as far as I'm aware, they've not been caught. Um, and that led to a lot of concern in the Rio area because of shortage of stickers. But I think Panini have been able to sort that out. Surely if someone turns up with a box full of swaps... Like a, uh, well, a car full of swaps. <laughs> yeah. Had a couple of boxes when he was filling out his albums with just Mario Balotelli. So you put two and two together. Also, uh, a few. I think it was in May uh, or May or June. A Colombian school teacher has been investigated for malpractice after confiscating pictures, um, stickers from students, and uh, sticking them into his little sticker oh, book really? himself. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't know how that's resolved, but that just shows you the passion. And just a little, an article I was reading about, um, it was an interview actually with the chief executive, who sounds like a really swell guy actually. Um, but he sort of noted that a good 50%, if not more, of uh, customers, people who buy the stickers are adults. What, why do you think that is, Alex? Why does it appeal so much to adults? Surely this was a playground thing. Why are we, sort of mid to late 20s, still collecting stickers? 
I don't know, maybe it's a, it's a nostalgia thing. You say we all did it in the playground, and then they're just they're always just there at the checkout, aren't aren't they? In it, and they're fifty p, <laughs> and you just and you just you just go for it. And I, I still get that same thrill when I when I rip open the packet and you get them out, and you're feeling to see if maybe you've got a shiny in there. There's, there's just something magical about it, and I, I think like secretly I know I'm never really going to complete the album, especially not a World Cup. But maybe with you know a Premier League, you've got a whole season to work at. But with a World Cup, you've really got to be committed. But it's just something about the thrill of it. Although I found my real issue this time round is that I really enjoyed buying the stickers, but the sticking in part I just haven't really done. I had a really good session I think during um, Switzerland Ecuador in the first round of group games, really kind of focused on it. But now I've just got sort of just stickers just littered around my house, just various little piles here and there, just. I, once I was just wearing a hoodie and I just reached into my pocket and I just had a wad, a wad in there. But the key I, is a flat surface. I put in my first session of stickers um, on my duvet. I made a right mess of it. There's loads of all these creases and folds in there. It's a nightmare. You've had, you've had 20 years to practice. Well, just to try and recreate that thrill yeah. for, for everyone listening, um, if any of you are still listening as we go on a <laughs> self-indulgent rampage. Loving it. Um, we, we brought the thrill of the opening to the airwaves, uh, we've each got a pack of this year's stickers. Do you think there'd be a market for vintage ones? Maybe. But it's also a question of, and one of my friends was asking this earlier at the exhibition, of course you're all friends as well, Alex and Paddy, I just want to make you uh, confirm that. Uh, but what happens to the stickers after the World Cup final? I mean, do they disappear from the shops? Is there a spillover? For people who are just missing 10, 20, it must be a concern. Oh, must be a magical play. I'd like to think there's some sort of vault and Panini just HQ, just 10 floors underground with with sort of just billions of surplus stickers. Yeah. If you need Gary Pallister from 95, he's there somewhere. <laughs> oh my God, that's a terrifying nightmare Hollywood horror film <laughs> concept. The most sticker ever is. The most stickered player ever. Well, apparently, they did, I mean, again, the chief executive um, was saying that that's, that's a myth and it's all properly balanced out, but he advised as a tip, so if you are still collecting, don't keep going to the same news agent, and preferably don't go in the same town. Go from town to town, because the distribution's quite wildly different. So that's why you do end up with the same sort of Algerian left-back, because it's the same shop you keep buying from. Or well, there's some places where you can get loads of Balotelli's, like Balotelli's are in surplus, but you can't get them for Toffee elsewhere. Yeah, you've got to move around a bit. But anyway, as, as Paddy hinted upon there, We've got our own sticker packets. This is quite possibly, because I think me and Paddy have probably surrendered the opportunity to fill out our sticker book this year. I know you probably have as well, Alex. So this is probably the last sticker packet for four years you're about to open. I've kindly purchased them, 50p each. Um, so we're going to do a bit of an un unwrapping now. So just listen to that, that authentic tear. Oh, you go down the side. Oh, interesting. I know, everyone does it different. I'm, I'm not right. the top guy. I'm going I'm to quickly run through mine. If you've got any comments, please pitch in. Maybe you can say how he's gone on in the tournament. You might not remember. Morellis? Ram Morellis? Great beard. Oh, no beard in the picture, though. Not in the sticker. Moustache. Interesting. When was it taken? Hector Herrera? Uh, Mexico. Mexico? Yeah, he was decent. Yeah. Probably. Landry Nuguamo of uh, Cameroon. Assume he had a bad one. Uh, yeah, not 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 his not his his best. He can do better. Check, please. Check, Diote. Unfortunate for the Ivorians. Finally, so close. Not in a group of death. Let themselves down against Greece. Pesky Greeks. Vladimir Bistrov. Probably the, probably the less said about Russia, the better. Yeah. That's it. I'm out. That's quite. You're, that's probably quite you're poor. Crashing out in the so group you get stages. five stickers, yeah. and I've got no one here who actually progressed. No, apart from Mexico. 
actually Hector, so let's not disrespect Hector. Paddy? Uh, yeah, I've opened mine already. Uh, instantly, I'm very happy. On the front, Geordie Classy made a big impact in the semi the other Kept night. Messi quiet, didn't he? Did. Second half. Obviously, didn't quite work for him. Under that, it's shiny. Oh. It's shiny. Oh. I can th see three Fs. Uh, is a France <laughs> shiny. Oh, did you need that? Uh, yeah, I think I need all of these. That's this is lovely. great. That's nice, man. Underneath that, Suleiman Tari. These are big yeah, hitters. Naughty. Forgotten Literally team a big the... hitter, Montari, I think, allegedly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's say about the better. Forgotten story of this tournament, perhaps. Bo uh, Bosnia. Got oh, Ilya yeah. Svacic. Yeah, a bit unfortunate in their last group game. Could have um, qualified. And then another Mexican, Diego Reyes. Don't know much about him. So mixed bag there. Very happy with the shiny. Uh, as you say, <laughs> see you in four years. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> right, that's a good one. Right. Last ones. Make it a good one. Anyone in particular you're really desperate for? Um, Drogba. Oh, Drogba would be lovely. Drogba okay. would be absolutely lovely. We'll start off. Great audio if Drogba's in. There. We'll start off with Senedad Ibricic of Bosnia. Two earrings. Earring in each ear. In each ear. Nice. Good luck. Uh, Ivan Perisic. Uh, he was, I think, was he right back or left back for Croatia? Had a really good tournament, actually. He scored a couple of goals on the wings, but he was, he was very impressed. Vedran Chorluka, another Croat. Oh, uh, decent. I, I teasing, sneaking through. Teasing. Whoa! Oh, that's <laughs> how poor is that? Well, I've got the the Panini shiny. Oh. The man doing the uh, doing sort of the overhead scissor bicycle kick. I think out for today. That is, I am thrilled with that. I didn't even know that was one to collect. <laughs> I think this could be used in any album for any World Cup. What's under that? Is there another one? Oh, okay. oh and Marcus Rojo. Yeah, who's in the uh, final. Uh, Brings us full final. circle. What a finish. Well, well, hopefully. I am thrilled with that. Look at that technique as well. Yeah, textbook. Uh, yeah, that, that could be used. You might actually use that in four years' time if you had a gap from four years ago in South Africa. I think this works. I think this is tournament-wide. This works. <laughs> I'm um, thrilled. And a final question before we finish: uh, As some ducks now come towards us, some baby swans on the canal here. Um, they're big. They're big followers. They they need. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're a duck, whether you're human. If you need a sticker, you need a sticker. You do. <laughs> Looking very intently at that France shiny. How do you think these will go down in history? These stickers we've just unveiled. Um, I think Classy could go on to be a world-classy player. Yeah. Uh, no laughter there. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think the Panini's one's nice. It's timeless. It's universal. Um, generally speaking, most players here have had bad tournaments, so you like to think that we can reassess them in four years' time and really see that they've been absolute game breakers for their nations. We can only hope and pray that that's the case. Yeah, I think I've got Rocco. Obviously, he's had, he's had a good tournament for uh, for Argentina currently in Sporting. Uh, in Portugal, Sporting Club de Portugal. I can, I can see him doing some big things and also Perisic as well. I've been very impressed with him. He's, he's at Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg at the moment. Wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for the sticker. That's another handier, handy trade of the stickers, but I can see him doing lots in the future as well. There you go. Well, are you going to be all in for some World Cup stickers in four years' time? Or do you think you've grown out of it now? I just want more. I just want more. Help. Right, you Paddy, are you in four years' time? Yes, I'm going to start as soon as it come out, 1st of March, whenever it is, get me there. Um, I think we'll leave it there. We'll, we'll say thank you again for the proud archivist down here in Agustin for putting on this fantastic show. Uh, perhaps less so for putting on a Hindu <laughs> in half of the exhibition. But yeah, it's been, it's been a treat. It's been an absolute fantastic curtain raiser for as we are now tomorrow night and this final. And uh, I think we'll leave it there. Yes.
It's going to be busy here. I think people have seen, seen your front shiny. We, we should probably pack up before, uh, before we get mugged. Just stick that in an exhibition. Oh, it's already there. Alex, you know, we've spoken about the World Cup. I assume now you've got a bit of closure and there's a calmness that now resides within you. You're ready to let go. I'm not ready. Not yet. <laughs> it's still so fresh, so beautiful. I'm just, uh, I'm just not ready to let. I just, I'm it's ready over. Now. All that I'm build what? up, a hundred days now. out, fifty days ago, and now it's just over. And I know we've spent a nice, you know, good hour or so chatting about all the all the best moments. We haven't even, we haven't even, you know, covered them all. Do you about... still get angry if I mention Greece? In a way, I, it's like a fond memory now. <laughs> <laughs> fond, fond memory of just of them just somehow just, just creeping out that group. Oh, so many memory. I mean, we haven't even mentioned David Luiz's eyeballs practically popping out his head. We nice. scored our goal against Colombia. Yeah, just oh, timeless. I just the more I think about it, the more I just think about the the happiness and the joy that it's given me. Oh, that's very. That is very sweet indeed. I personally, I'm I'm ready to let go. It feels like it's probably like quarter to midnight on Christmas Day. I've watched Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, Jingle, Jingle All The Way. Watched that twice in uh, normal standard definition and high definition. Uh, I've eaten a lot of chocolates and now I just feel a bit bloated, a little bit drunk. I've had a great time, but it's time to go to sleep. I, I've got a confession. There were times in the final where I did think, can it just finish? See, when it went to extra time, I just thought more World Cup. <laughs> Bonus. It's just, it always happens in a final and you can't begrudge it because it is so intriguing because it's the World Cup final. Yeah, it's if, pretty... if that was, I'll, I'll say it, if that was a Capital One Cup final, I would have flicked over. But it wasn't. But crucially, but it wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. And thankfully, it didn't go to penalties, I think. Maybe in the earlier stages, we all love that. But ultimately, you want a worthy, clean-cut winner Absolutely. in a World Cup final. And that's what we got, as Alex rightfully highlighted earlier on. That was a sumptuous, befitting, perfect goal. The cherry on top of the delicious cake. Lovely stuff. Well, Alex, when, when you're feeling emotional, a little bit lost and isolated, it's good to have your friends around you, including me and Paddy. However... We're going on a break. Sorry. So <laughs> this is all too much for me to handle right now. Yeah, this is kind of about we we flew right from uh, in an audio sense um, through the whole of the rudimentary season straight in to World Cup previewing. We've done approximately forty-five shows, so roughly thirty hours of audio there that we've served up. And it's just just time for us to have a bit of a rest, get some cucumbers on the ice and T- just... Tired voices. Yeah. Fatigue setting in. I think it's really maybe re- reflecting the quality of the last few pods. All right, mate. It's been a lo- long season. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, we're not 100% sure in what form or what format or what duration we'll be back next season, but rest assured we'll let you know as soon as possible. We'll find um, you. We'll come and get we'll you somehow. We'll find you. Okay. You'll subscribe to us. We'll... In, a, in a less threatening manner than that. Yeah, in a slightly kinder message than that, we'll get to your rear canals one way or the other. Um, suffice to say, and this is the cheesy bit, thank you to everyone uh, who's listened, who's streamed, who's downloaded, who's read out, who's, who's written down our podcast and read out verbatim 
to bay in crowds <laughs> demanding more. It does uh, happen. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the letters to prove that. Um, so yeah, huge, huge appreciation for that. And, uh, also all of the interaction that we've had on email and especially, um, Twitter, we've had lots of kind compliments, um, great feedback and also opportunities to meet up with you in the flesh, which has been brilliant. Yeah. You know, we, I think as, as is rather evident, we aren't professionals, you know, we, we have normal jobs. We do this because we love it and it's just so much fun and, and great knowing that everyone out there is enjoying it. Perhaps, perhaps as much as we are. We can only hope. And of course, we should also mention, uh, not all by name, because there's far too many, but that's also a compliment to the show as well. We've spoken to some some wonderful journalists all across the world, um, including was it Kabul, Mongolia, yep. Colombia, uh, Australia, in Spain, Germany, um, the whole hog. It's been a bloody wonderful journey. Dumfries. Yeah, Dumfries. Probably the most exotic of all. And uh, everyone at AFR as well, uh, Eric, Zach, Maxi, Dominic. It's it's been a blast. Thank you for looking after us. Um, your own little niche corner of audio. Oh, that's a beautiful way to finish it. And you know what, guys? Thank you. It's been lovely. Hello. Oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. I was getting a little bit, a little bit emotional. I was looking at, oh, my, looking at my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Charming. Yeah, well, you know, it's like, I know it's only fibre optic that we uh, sort of commune together, but it's our fibre optic, okay? No one can take that away from us. Thank you, Alex. No one. Thank you, Alex. Well done. Oh, thank you. Well, no, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Ben. No worries, guys. Enjoy the rest of your summer and you two listeners. Goodbye. Goodbye, World Cup. <laughs>